I'm Dan, and if you're new to homebrewing, so am I. Welcome to my adventures in homebrewing. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and it's that time once more to go around the world one more time and have a beer or two along the way. So thank you to anyone who turned it, tuned in last week for the uh, live broadcast. It was the very first one, so there was a couple of hiccups along the way, but I gotta say thanks to the guys from the BrewTubers. They are a fantastic bunch of guys. Gary, main brew guy, uh, Dave, uh, Big Dog Brewing. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. And folks, it is a great online homebrew club to go and check out there's a wealth of knowledge check them out not only on youtube but check them out on instagram uh facebook twitter uh as a part of the brew tubers we're constantly putting up videos to help people out anything that we've done for contests or challenges along the way check it out really cool thing so Today, we are very fortunate to be talking with Ryan Oxton from Spike Brewing, and we'll be diving into that in just a second. But first, hang tight just for a quick message from our sponsor. Hey, everybody, it's Dan here, and I'm really excited to say this. I am now sponsored, or should I say this podcast is now sponsored by Escarpment Laboratories. Who are these fine people? They are one of the best yeast producers in Canada. Yeast production for the fermentation of the exceptional craft beer, whether your kit is on the stovetop or in a commercial brew house. Wholesale yeast and quality control for the profitable pro brewer. Community engagement education for the discerning home brewer. I cannot say enough about these guys. If you're doing a sour to a California common, their yeasts are fantastic. You're almost guaranteed all the time, 200 billion cells. Check them out. Escarpment Laboratories, yeast for the craft brewer. All right, we're back, guys, and thank you so much for tuning in this week. So a lot of you know that I've just started getting into using uh, stainless steel products, and there are a lot of products out there. And I've done my research and everything else. I was looking for things that not only that I can use with a glycol chiller, but also things that I could possibly do pressure fermentation with. Yes, I know I could use kegs and things like that, but I want to keep my kegs for when I'm actually putting beer into them to put into my kegerator. So I went looking and I found Spike Brewing. Now, Spike has been around for a while, but I always thought they were a little bit out of my reach until I saw this one fermenter, the Flex Plus, which is the newest version of their Flex series. And it can go up to 15 PSI of pressure. And it is by far one of the best things I've ever put inside my brewery. So today we are, like I said, we're very fortunate to have Ryan with us. Ryan, how are you doing, bud? Very good. Thanks a lot for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. No problem. So how about you tell us a little bit about the company, how it got started? Of course. Uh, so the company started back in 2011. So Ben, the owner, current owner and founder, uh, was basically, you know, finding kegs in his Milwaukee, uh, you know, apartment back then, kegs outside the building. And he was trying to, you know, find a way to, to reuse the kegs for something. He's always been an entrepreneur by nature. And he started cutting the tops off of them um, back when he was looking into making beer and he would cut the tops off and found out that people were interested in buying them as brewing kettles. You know, this is 10 years ago when it, uh, you know, very popular to brew it on your stove or something like that. But when he found people that were brewing at larger quantities, he started looking into how he could take those, those kegs and 
turn them into something more. He then started looking into welding ports onto the kettles or onto the kegs, excuse me. And from there, you know, the market was clear. He bought, I think, something like over 50 kegs at one point, stored them at his his grandmother's house, and it grew from there. And then he got into, he's an engineer by trade, so he got into, you know, doing this in-house. And uh, that's really how it started, is just a kind of a pipe dream and saw there was a market and used his uh, skills and built it from the kettles. And from there, we've really expanded into the lines we have today. So um, it wasn't intentional, the beginnings of Spike, I don't think, but... Uh, you get an engineer with some entrepreneurial spirit and things come out of the blue, I guess. So, yeah, we have a brewery out this way where I live in Ontario called Broadhead and they are, I believe all of them are all engineers. And before they expanded into the facility they have now, which is absolutely gorgeous, they built a Frankenstein brewery out of everything they knew how to do as engineers. And it was quite it was quite the sight to see how the guys did all this. Uh, sometimes you thought it was like Baylor's twine and bubble gum, but no, it is. It, it actually made sense of what they did. So I totally get what you're saying about engineers, but I want to talk about the, uh, the home brewer uh, fermenter series that you guys have out. Cause I know you guys started with the flex and that wasn't pressure rated. Was it like the flex plus? Yeah, so we came out with both the Flex and the Flex Plus at the same time. So basically a great carboy alternative, right? We all started with glass carboys yeah. or something plastic even potentially. We know the hazards with glass. So we want to give someone kind of an entry-level exit from carboys or buckets into steel. Of course, steel is so much easier to clean. So like you said, we have the Flex, which holds, you know, one to two PSI, just enough to put a little pressure on to transfer into your keg. Or the Flex Plus, which has the same lid as our conical series, so it can hold 15 PSI, do all the fun things you want with pressure. So, correct. Uh, great, great kind of entry-level fermenter line when you're looking to make that jump into keeping oxygen out of your beer is the big key. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, now, why... <sighs> not why I shouldn't say why I know why it was the why it was made because they're they're a fantastic unit but um as a home brewer uh, I know like I I make like maybe five to six gallon batches and now as you progress up instead of having the flex in different sizes you have that series you only have it in like say max I think it's seven gallons that the that the both of them can hold why not make them a little larger like you did with some of the other uh, products that you have it's a great question. I think demand has fueled every product innovation at Spike. And frankly, I think if you're looking at, say, doing 10-gallon batches, uh, depending on what you're doing, you know, the, the main benefit of that conical series is being able to get your yeast out of there when necessary. Um, so I, I truly think if the demand was there, we'd look at it. But uh, frankly, I think a lot of brewers brewing larger than five gallon batches have asked for that conical bottom to be able to flush out the, the uh, yeast after primary. So great question. Okay. So I know the flex plus has a, a new lid. It's got like four ports on it. There's the the main one with the six inch tri-clamp where you could put the cooling coil down through. Then there you have one port where you put the blow off tube. Then you have, I think two other ports. So what can you do with those two other ports? I mean, I have an idea, but I'd like to know, or I should say some of the listeners probably do want to know what, what the special, what the purpose of this lid is. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different ways people are using it. It's always so fun to see in these user groups, how many different ways people use these lids. So we did it for multiple reasons. You know, we look at the future pressure fermentation has become a hot topic. Of course, um, 
making sure that we keep this fermenter safe. Okay, so if we're pressure fermenting, we have to be using the right equipment, but we also have to give the beer multiple exits. So if we say we're trying to dry hop in the same port that we're trying to hold pressure in, uh, we felt that giving users more opportunities to, you know, to have a port dedicated to each process was really helpful. And this helps brewers stay safe as well when we talk about pressure. Um, so I think a lot of, you're gonna see a lot of innovation in the way that people are using the three port lids in the future. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, for me personally, I love it because I love uh, dry hopping beers and it just makes it really, really easy to do, you know, low oxygen dry hopping and uh, just things of that nature, so. Yeah, I, dry hopping has been become quite, um quite a trend as as well as uh um, pressure fermentation i gotta admit i like pressure fermentation during the winter because it saves on on time and space but the three-port lid really does have me curious because i know part of it obviously dry hopping is a that's a great idea um but um could you put like a, a carb stone down one side or uh because i know like the main port down low by the dump valve is usually where you put your temperature probe or would you recommend putting the temperature probe up top and the carb stone where the probe would be so those top lid ports are not or hopefully are not touching liquid so you wouldn't you'd have to keep the temperature low so that it's submerged in liquid and then Carbonation wise also has to be in direct contact with the, the liquid. So I think having, you know, on, as we look on the flex, having the, you know, using your drain port to carbonate is useful because that's where, you know, the, the beer continues to sit on that port. So yeah, not a lot of things other than the cooling coil going down through the top of the fermenter would be touching, uh, touching your, your fermenting beer. So, uh, but you know, Customers come up with the greatest, you know, a lot of our ideas are spurned by DIY homebrewers, which is what this industry is fueled by. You know, we talk about engineers, we talk about people doing it themselves. It always amazes me as the innovative things that that people make in this space. And I think we'll be, you know, our future innovation will be kind of, you know, go the way that homebrewers are looking, you know, for new innovation and something that we can put our name on is certainly the, the future. So, so I do know that the flex series has its own heating belt as well correct yep all of our fermenters have uh, a heating pad fit directly to their their size correct okay so with that heating pad is that individually controlled or can i hook that to say like a glycol chiller so when it hits a certain temperature and it's not uh it's too low it the glycol uh, turn off and then the pad would turn on and bring it up to the proper temperature. Absolutely. I think as we think back to our, our carboy days, you know, just trying to keep the carboy in the right room and the temperature would fluctuate, especially here in Wisconsin and you, you know, even north of us, the temperatures can fluctuate so much, even, you know, especially in the winter. So absolutely, um, you know, it's, it's kind of careless fermenting because you set a temperature on say an inkbird controller that we'd offer. If it goes over, the glycol pump would kick on. If it goes under temperature, the heater will kick on. And it's basically hands off for you as the home brewer. So absolutely would recommend the uh, temperature kit for sure. Okay. So now we mentioned a temperature kit. So what is the temperature kit that you guys offer? Yeah, so it's, it all starts with the controller. So, uh, you know, a spike kind of inkbird controller that has both a, a hot and a cold setting. So two inputs for... Uh, one would be for your pump that would be in your cold water or your glycol. 
and one outlet for your heater. So basically, you know, we've got the heater, we've got a insulated jacket, pretty attractive jacket that would hold the heater in place on the fermenter, also helps with insulation. And lastly, a connection, insulated tubing that runs from the, the pump within your glycol to the top of the cooling coil on the flex. So it's kind of a closed loop system on the glycol side or the cold water side, depending if you have a glycol chiller. And then the heating side is kind of encompassed in that jacket. So uh, kind of a, a full bundle that does it all for you. Can you interchange your, the heating pad with other glycol chillers or is it only with that one that I, th that I see you guys promote on your site? Of course we have, I mean, a lot of people make their own glycol chillers. So truly any cold water reservoir, call it a glycol chiller, call it cold water can be used. It's totally universal. Yep. That's, that's awesome. So now we're talking about glycol chillers now. Now, are, is is the one we're going to possibly touch on made by Spike, or is it made by someone that you're affiliated with? So we let the uh, the pros handle this one. So we work directly with Penguin Chillers. We've had a great relationship with them for years. They make top notch chillers at a heck of a price for us as homebrewers. So we we put our full trust in them, and they've they've delivered certainly. So we're um, you know they we you can order through Spike, and the order will go to you directly from penguin but uh, a really really solid and efficient uh, glycol chiller from penguin so have you seen a lot of people uh, start small and then all of a sudden you see them jump right to say like maybe being a pro after say maybe five years and all of a sudden you see them buying well uh, either a one barrel to say maybe a five barrel system and i've seen it all and it's and it's so wonderful to see because it's this is a hobby that can turn professional very quickly and we're just so lucky to work with so many unique stories so you know even in toronto with zach at toronto brewing we've had stories of people that start with a flex and the next year they're looking at commercial brewing because they they're so into it they found a location or a niche area um it's a story we hear daily and it's it's what we're so excited about because we pride ourselves on the service side of the business we have a full team committed to serving customers in whatever way that might be, whether it's a new brewer that's never put beer in a fermenter before or a person that brews five times a week. So we love to grow with customers and, uh, you know, I can count so many stories where it started with a kettle and now we're looking at a nano system. So the same person. So it's, it's, it's a very popular story and one we really like to help with. I know my wife has already warned me, uh, don't get any ideas about going pro. You have enough stuff in the garage for now. So I've been, I've been told I can't open a professional brewery yet. <laughs> uh, give it some time. You know, if the dream persists and the right beer is there, maybe, maybe you'll have a shot in the future. But it's amazing to see the growth uh, of, of the smaller breweries too. You know, we, you know, the large breweries, especially being here in Milwaukee, we have so many wonderful large breweries in, across the entire Midwest. But it's so fun to see the neighborhood uh, kind of smaller nano breweries pop up. And we, we deal with so many coffee companies making beer, restaurant owners looking to add beer to make some margin. There's just so many unique ways to make a barrel of beer go a long ways for you. So that's been probably the most fun over the last six months, especially with so many businesses getting back in motion. It's been fun to see people pursuing their dreams of owning a business and we're lucky to work directly with them. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some of your nano systems and I'm, I, I just drool on them. They're, they look absolutely fantastic. Um, 
I do know, I th- if, if, if I'm right, I do think there is a brewery in Kingston called the Kingston Bre- Brewing Company that has a spike system in it. Uh, they went from being like a, the original copper kettles and all that to your fully electric system. So that's a, that, that's a, that's a testament to the quality of the gear that you guys uh, put out. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's great. Yeah, it's... Um... Well, you talk about makeshift, uh, you know, I've seen some breweries with old dairy vessels or truly like, like kettles they formed or made themselves. And if you understand the process, you know, uh, people that start with just a kettle, even we talk about homebrewing being a little bit daunting, but it is truly what you make it. So if it's a process opportunity or whatever it may be that holds new brewers back it can be a very very simple hobby that can be you know a lot of fun to make your own product uh whether it's you know assimilated with cooking um the scientist in us the engineer in us um it's it's a fun hobby to to watch people get into for sure absolutely so touching on the um the pressure fermentation topic again so i do know that you obviously to relieve pressure you need a spunding valve and uh with my spike system when i got it because i bought a lot of stuff with it uh i got your gas manifold and everything else so here's a question um i have spunding valves for another unit that i have and they work great if i have your gas manifold hooked up to the lid and then a, a spunding valve goes on that gas port can that work properly within the specs of the flex system or should i get a separate tri-clamp uh spunding valve yeah so this is a a great topic and one i really need to caution on the one of the main reasons for the three-port lid was to to get people opportunities to be very safe with their vessel and we have seen a lot of spunning valves in the market that are frankly too small so if that spunning valve if that you know internal diameter that spunning valve is too small say some of these are a half inch and you have a vigorous fermentation it could very easily clog that spunning valve and it turns a pressurized uh, tank into a real scary situation. So there are a few spunning valves that have like a one and a half inch TC tri-clamp exit. You know, if you're going to pressure ferment, we'd really encourage you to use a large internal diameter uh, spunning valve um, just to be safe. There are some that don't look as safe as they could be. So it's something we want to approach with caution. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's so many different variations of spunding valves out there. I mean, the one I use is a ball lock and it goes on on the, the gas post of, of the other unit I use. So it's good to know that even though I have that gas manifold, don't do it because I'll be turning possibly the fermenter into a pressurized bomb. Good to know. So <laughs> that's the last thing I need is that thing to go boom inside my garage. It's, it's certainly something, you know, and, and with some of these yeast strains, you never know, you know, I look at, say, a half or these New Englands, the, the yeast strains can really get these beers going quickly. And, and sometimes it, I personally see it as an opportunity to get some of that CO2, you know, moving out of the, the vessel before, before putting, you know, the beer under pressure. So um, I would just exercise caution, but, it, but I think, uh, you know, We'll see more and more popularity around pressure fermentation. We hope we can just educate to make sure the user is always safe. So, yeah, no, I, I can I can contest what you're saying. What the different yeast strains react differently. Um, 
so I deal a lot with a yeast company here in Canada called Escarpment Laboratories, and they make a yeast called Foggy London. And for a while, I was using a, um, a Plato uh, airlock hydrometer combination, and I was making a New England IPA, and I added in my yeast, and I just watched it roll, and it killed the airlock, and uh, it killed that thing because it was it couldn't keep up with the bubble count. Of course, yeah, it's, uh, I, I certainly know the company, great, great group there. Um, but yeah, some of these yeast strains and these breaks, it, it takes, you know, just a few days and they're, they're up to 90 degrees Fahrenheit in some of these beers after, you know, pitching at 80. So it's pretty, it's pretty amazing what these strains can do. That's for sure. Absolutely. So now, is there anything that maybe you could allude to that Spike might be coming online with that people might be interested in watching out for? And there's always something, um, you know, this year is truly, it was, it was a wild ride last year. We're so happy to have kept our full team in place, um, to be able to keep products in stock, but it was, it was really a year of foundational building as the company continues to grow and innovate. And right now, honestly, our focus throughout the entire building is on increasing, continually increasing the quality of the experience for the customer. And that's across every department. So we are always working on some new things in the background on the engineering side. But um, 2021, I don't think will be too busy of a year. Looking at 2022, I, I certainly know we've got some things in the works, but uh, continuous improvement is always something engineering is focused on. But honestly, Dan, as of today, there's just nothing really uh, that I can tease at this point. But hopefully we'll get some things teased here in uh, the third quarter or fourth quarter of 2021. But Always looking to innovate. Uh, a group of engineers. <laughs> we've got some great engineers that are never are never bored. Um, but uh, it's it's really been fun to focus on ways that we can continue to innovate the product. Right, that three port lid was basically a demand based improvement, a safety based improvement, and it's going to make for a really great experience. You know, the solo, the single vessel system was demand based, and it's been a great product for us. Um, we really, really, really take customer feedback to heart constantly in every single department in this building. And it's, I think, why we have been both successful, but we've been able to grow a really loyal fan base, which is what I'm most appreciative of. So um, they are working on things, Dan, of course, and you'll be the first to know, but nothing really I can flash today. That's not a problem. So you did <laughs> mention the, the solo. So that is relatively new for you guys for dipping into the all-in-one realm, isn't it? Yeah, I think, um, I think about a year ago we launched it. So uh, it's been or just over a year ago, but it's, it's certainly been a neat product for us. It's my, you know, when we, when I brew at Spike, I like to brew in the solo. It's a little quicker brew day, um, a little, little quicker cleanup, uh, but a really fun brewing process for sure. So let's hear a little bit more about um, the solo, because I really, to be honest, I don't know much about it. I mean, I have an all the one system, but it's not Spike, uh, but I'd like to know more about what, what the Spike solo offers. So it's basically, you know, a, a spike kettle, different port, uh, basically, than our standards. But um, it's meant to, you know, the basket of the solo acts as a bag if you were to brew in a bag. Um, basically, a no-sparge system, you know, say 60-minute mash, recirculate for 10 minutes or so to let that basket drain, and then we're moving right into our boil. So... If we look at a three vessel, like a Herm system, we'll sparge for say 30, 45 minutes washing those grains. So the solo or any single vessel will be a little less efficient, but certainly we're taking 
hours off of a brood of a, of a three vessel. So it's really to benefit those that might have small spaces or that want a quicker brood day. Um, that's why the solo was uh, kind of invented for those apartment dwellers or small spaces. Like I mentioned, you know, we have both 120 volt and 240 volt versions as well. I know the electric on say the three vessel can be a bit daunting or difficult for those in apartments or something along those lines. So, um, yeah, it's a really it's a really fun system to brew on, and um, that one was really really fueled by customer demand. That's that's just where that one really stemmed from. I know it was in engineering sands for years, so we were really excited to bring that product to, to market. Right on. So, what all comes with that system? Does does it come with like pumps and everything else? Because I know like um, I was looking at a spike. 10 gallon system. And if I got everything, I could get it with the table, the pumps, everything. So what all comes with this system? Yeah, so it's truly turnkey. So it's the kettle, the basket, a pump, all the hoses, all the quick connections, um, all clamps and gaskets, plus the the electrical panel that controls the entire system with three switches. So it's, it's very... You know, getting into electric can be a bit daunting, but it truly makes your life a lot easier than having to manage propane, right? Once the beer gets to 150, the elements will turn off. The pump is on or off. You know, it's very, very simple to use. And um, yeah, it's the, if you buy the solar system, it's everything you would need other than the fermentation side. So, okay. So now, excuse me. Uh, If people wanted to, uh, buy through you. I know it's available in the United States, but you're uh, you're unable to do it for people in Canada if they wanted to buy, say, a Solo or Flex or something else like that, right? Oh, no, we're very available in Canada. So we, we deal directly with Toronto Brewing, great partner for us. They, we've got our full faith in them. They, they run an awesome operation in Toronto. And, uh, you know, we, we've known Zach for years. If in Canada, be sure to reach to them for all of your equipment needs. But yeah, um, you can order right through Toronto. They've got quick service, and then we do deal directly with customers on the shipping side when it comes to our our trio systems and our nano systems. Just because we've got a team of exporters that make the process very easy for customers. And um, yeah, we've been lucky to send a lot of systems into Canada. I think there's a ton of growth in Canada, um, and so we we absolutely love working with those north of the border for sure. That's awesome. So. Is there anything else you think people should know about Spike that we we haven't touched on yet? Because I I, I feel that this company is is just going to explode uh, across North America, not only North America, but I'd say globally. You guys are about to really push the limit for what you guys are offering. Is there anything else you think people should know? It's funny. It's it's uh, it feels like every year has been very solid growth, but I think the things we've done in the background have really set us up for prolonged success. And to us, success does not mean the only successful measure is not selling more units. It's it's the loyalty to see a customer come back and buy every time they they scale up is what makes it worth it. And um, I think the future is. Continued innovation, of course, we're always going to come out with new products that are demanded by the customer. But what I'm excited about is the process in the background. We're getting more into content creation. We're so excited to offer support in every way we can. I want you to be able to use spike equipment, but I also want to help you brew better beer. I want to provide resources like our partners. We talked about, say, Escarpment. If we can connect with more businesses within the space, I think we can all continue to grow brewing and home brewing specifically. So. I think the future is not just around products for Spike. It's around just trying to build the the 
database of those interested in brewing and learning more. Um, I'm probably most excited about getting people that aren't comfortable brewing today into brewing. I think it's just a great hobby. It's so easy if you like to cook, if you like to create, if you like the science side, or if you're an engineer by trade, brewing is absolutely for you. And I think we all have to find ways to make it a little less, you know, I wouldn't say daunting, but make it, you know, help people understand how fun the hobby really is. So. I, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, when I got back into it, uh, it was only mainly because uh, of the craft brewery I work at part-time uh, inspired me to get back into it. And I was getting back into it. I was like, okay, let's, let's drill down. Let's find what we want. And I said, okay, well, if I'm going to start out again, let's just start small and then work my way up. And that's what I've done over the last two and a half years. And now it's like my garage has the glycol chiller in it. It's got the flex plus in it. It's got a bright tank in it. So it, it's, it's growing. I mean, all in all, I've got like four vessels out in my garage and I can only see uh, it expanding from there. And the homebrew community on a, on a global scale is absolutely fantastic. I mean, this is kind of weird saying this, but the pandemic has been one of the best things for homebrewers for getting involved into this great hobby, learning more about the community, getting help and everything else. And it has been one of the best times I've had in the last little while actually making beer. That's the weirdest thing to say, but it's true. We, we certainly weren't expecting, you know, the, the amount of people getting into brewing last year and I think it's one of those kind of hobbies that if you're at home it's a perfect thing to do it's fun to do with others in your family it's it's just something that you can do within the confines of your house and um, you know that's funny that you said that I I think a lot of people are in that same boat and a lot of people fell out of love with it say that started in the 90s maybe some beers didn't turn out maybe they didn't have you know to me it's so important to have the right fermentation set up I think a lot of uh, brewers are maybe in the, in the early stages, they find their beard might not turn out because they're using lackluster fermentation devices. But once you can find your process and you start dialing in your recipes and you can get creative with your beers, things you can't buy on the shelf, I think it's just really, really exciting to see something you made and your friends excited to try your new concoction. So, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm excited to see what the next stage of, you know, Homebrewing is we see our retail partners do so well in store. I know there's a lot of events around brewing. Um, I'm excited for people to hold competitions again. And um, I think the future is really bright for brewing. And, and on the commercial side too, the, the smaller opportunities to get into brewing um, is really exciting for those trying to kind of chase the dream of owning a business. Uh, so excited for the future to say the least. Absolutely. Well, I think that's about it for right now, Ryan. So thank you so much for uh, coming to talk to us. Uh, guys, check these guys out. They're honestly by far one of the best companies out there, not only for customer service, but for their products. They are phenomenal. I can honestly say this 110%. I am extremely happy with my Flex Plus and will most likely be getting another one. Um, or I may be getting maybe a 10-gallon fermenter too. Who knows what happens? But I have to say Spike is a, is a company that you want to deal with when you're dealing with uh, stuff for home brewing or even as a pro scale. They are fantastic people. Check them out online. Check them out on Instagram. Check them out, on, I believe, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, I'm not. Do you guys have a YouTube channel, Ryan? 
We do, we do, and it's going to be, it'll be growing here shortly. So yeah, check us out on YouTube. We don't have Twitter, but that's a good idea. Maybe I should start that for us, huh? So. <laughs> Just, just a little, little, little nudge there for an extra yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. <laughs> I really appreciate it. This has been great, Dan. And I would love to come back in the future and maybe we can touch on some other topics. I'm very passionate about, uh, you know, I think the things you're chasing is continued improvement and uh, certainly, you know, appreciate all you do. So. Thanks, man. Absolutely. I'd be glad to have you, you got, you come back on the show and talk and maybe once I get, get some more beer out of the, out of the brain tank. I'll figure out a way to get it down to you to have, to show you what your, what your fermenter, what your fermenters are producing. Sounds great. Very, very interesting being your taste tester. So. Awesome. So guys, this was Ryan Oxton from Spike Brewing. Uh, please go check them out. And I'm Dan. Thanks a lot for coming along for the ride and a beer or two along the way. And we'll see you on the other side. All right. Hang on there, Ryan.